Welcome everyone to the Deep Dive, the podcast that skips small talk and goes straight for the concepts that shape our thinking and behavior. In this podcast, cold expertise is defenestrated as warm philosophy is enthroned in an attempt to explore the field in which we're all scientists looking for answers, living well. Hello world, welcome to another episode of the Deep Dive with Eyal Shai. I'm joined today by two past guests who are making their second appearance together. These are Ready to Go and Nikolaus Sabatil. Hello! Hello! <laughs> and... Thank you for inviting us. Of course, you're yes. always welcome. And all three of us together on a call. What could be better than this? Yes. The topic today, I think, is something that I came across in Nico's Twitter feed a few days ago, and that's rules. So I know I have stuff to say about rules. I know Nico does, and I'm just somehow, um, I suspect that Freddy does too. Um, but I'll let uh, Nico lead the way with his uh, most recent thinking about the topic, or if you like, Nico, well, you should be probably telling us a little bit about how you dealt with rules uh, yeah, in the sure. past. Or... Cool. Uh, so yeah, it's the most recent topic that I learned about rules. I always avoided this topic as much as I could. Um, I was a punk in my spirit always. Um, I loved anarchy. I loved rebellion. Um, as soon as I heard a should, I rebelled already. Um, I didn't work as a pupil in school. It, nothing worked out for me. Um, and I always thought rules are these rigid dogmas from old people that don't make sense and that make you unauthentic completely. And um, for sure, I grew up a bit at least and I arranged myself with the world. Um, but uh, there was always this subconscious rebellion in me that... Uh, even in improv, you know, in improv theater, when uh, I went to schools or clubs and then we played improv together and then they told us, and now we play this game with this, this rules. And I was always felt so unauthentic with it. Like the improv is about improvisation, completely free expression of everything. And they turn it upside down and make, make it to a fear mangering dictatorship on stage. Um, that doesn't make sense. Um, yet, I always had this other side of me that loved narratives, you know, that, that the stories, narratives, the power of art, and there uh, you can't create really good art if you don't let yourself inspire at least from styles and frameworks, you can't dive deep into a world if you are uh, not um, following your own rules, at least, you know, when you create a Western movie and then a spaceship comes, that's cool and funny sometimes, but it destroys completely the story of an authentic cowboy, you know? Um, so right. I felt always this super strength there, um, this, if you really are um, brave enough, I would even say, to allow yourself to follow this narrative, 
um, I felt a great strength and concentration power also in this, you know, uh, because it has some emotional depth. It's a deep dive into your emotions sometimes. Um, so deep dive is really a perfect word. <laughs> and uh, for this, you need some shared norms and you feel it also with communication. If you um, want to communicate with somebody, uh, you need some shared values, some shared language. You need the same associations, especially with abstract topics. You know it, AR, definitely good. What is truth? What is love? Um, you could Absolutely. have thousands of years of discussions about the same topics, and you mean actually the same, but you're discussing and fighting about definitions. And that happens when you don't have a shared genre of associations with the words. And so there you see also, it's good to have some common vocabulary and grammar in it. So that's my first take on it. And now I give it to you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I thought that uh, this latest development in your thinking was, uh, was great. And uh, I'll get to what it, it did to me in terms of my understanding of, of rules. I'll just... Um, Let's. Uh, so both of you have been on the podcast, and whoever wants to hear a little bit about your history, that's already on there, um, on the first episode with you. But ready? Would you kind of just take us on a little tour, um, just showing your attitude towards rules in the past or in the present? Yeah. Like, well, when it comes to rules, I've always been. I couldn't understand rules. I couldn't understand why there were rules and why they applied to me. Like, I was like, okay, maybe you got a bunch of rules, but why would they apply to me? Like, I couldn't, you know, get my head around that. Like, I didn't understand why rules applied to everyone. Like, that was something that just boggled my mind as a kid. Like, I was like, okay, this is something that applies to you. This is something you are comfortable and even happy adhering to not me. So why would you force me to, you know, comply with rules, which maybe some people are happy with, some people are happy enduring it, maybe not enjoying it, but they're happy enduring. But I didn't want to, I definitely didn't enjoy the rules and I didn't want to endure the rules. So I just broke them. Right now I was very comfortable doing that and I became really good at it. And I just kept breaking the rules every single time at every single point. And at some point of time, when I went through this whole, you know, drug journey, and eventually I broke down, I crashed and like, you know, I just was on my last legs and I got this second chance at life. I, the one thing that I dreaded the most was having to be a part of a society where I had to follow the rules. Nothing else mattered. Like I, I didn't mind if I had to die of an overdose. I didn't care that, you know, my life meant nothing. I didn't care about all of that. The only thing that scared me was coming back to a world of rules. And interestingly, I said, let me, you know, I actually went to the other extreme. I started following all the rules. I started building discipline. I started exercising the rules. But this time I was trying to do it with the ones that it was towards my 
growth towards my evolution towards what i wanted to rock in life right i wanted to get this i want to do that and okay if, if you're saying that what it takes is rules if it what it takes is a certain kind of a discipline a certain kind of dedication a certain kind of a routine and adherence to a system cool let me give it a try and that's what i did and i became really good at it and i was surprised that i was really good at it because it's something that i'd run away from all my life and now it's almost like I feel like I'm in this third phase where I'm again back to not following the rules, but I'm looking to follow my intuition, right? So now, initially, I didn't want to follow anything. I was just like, you know, I'm just going to go crazy and berserk. But this time, I'm trying to follow my intuition by listening in keenly, to something. I don't know what it is. I don't have a pulse on it, but I still feel like the word follow is acceptable to me now. At some point of time, the word follow was something that you know drew me into a rage. Like I just, no, I'm not gonna follow anything. Right. And but now I'm like, okay, I'm not gonna follow the rules, but I want to follow the principles. I want to follow the concepts. You're gonna tell me that, okay, look, this is what we need to do. You can't go around hurting people. I'm like, is that a rule? Yes, that's a rule. That's the law. You can't hurt someone. I'm like, no, I don't care. But if you tell me you can't hurt someone because this is why, and then you explain the concept and you tell me like, okay, this is what happens. And you don't want someone to not smile because when people smile, they're happier, they're nicer. And when they're nicer, you feel nicer, you feel happier. So, so I'd like to look at it from a perspective where I'm diving into why the rule was made. And then I start understanding that and that becomes my source and I start digging into that and then I start following my intuition around that why rather than your, you know, your dictate, your word, your law. That to me, well, I'm not the kind of person who's comfortable following all of that. Wow, that's, that's amazing. Those are some powerful words. I mean, it resonates with me so much. I'll just say that I was, um, I was not uh, a child who did, gave too much trouble like i usually would not offend anyone or do anything violent in, in that manner but also i feel like you already i just could not understand why these rules you know why i have to be uh, crammed into this uh suffocating mold where i have to to play by very constricted um rules and an example of that can be found in in the episode the reverse episode on justice where I just share one story about uh, the kind of kid that they used to be. Uh, but that's beautiful. What do you say? Principles, not rules. This touches on so many things that are um, close to my heart. And another thing that you said, which is you realize that you can now live in society and follow some rules or at least appear to... Um, be normal even though with creativity you find that there's actually a lot more room to operate and do things uh, than you thought when you were maybe less creative about things so there's two things there there's this one where um, i'd like to get your uh, both your opinions on on this thing where actually rules can never uh, never actually dictate your every action they always have some sort of loopholes in every uh, code, right? So this is like Gödel's incompleteness theorem. 
Um, and then the other thing, which to me is very important, is yeah, principles versus rules. I was trying to think about how I don't follow religious rules, like do this, do that, uh, when they speak about very concrete actions or verbs, but principles that are based on very abstract um, concepts like do and the good, well, these are abstract enough that I actually want to do well in life uh, because it allows so much creativity in it. Um, yeah, I'd like to, uh, Nico, could, could you kind of expound a little bit on um, the, the recent development that you thought about the rules, how the shift has happened from rules being something that's um, limiting to something that's freeing? Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, yes, yeah, so our last podcast, we talked about this don't try too hard, right? So that when you uh, have these shoots in your mind consciously, they blocking your free expression and your flow and your honesty with the situation. And um, as I told in the last podcast, I had always a bit of struggles with this. So on the one hand, I wanted to interact as a child um, honestly, and but I saw also the shoots and I searched for the shoots. There was a confusion. And I think that this came from this insecurity, right? This emotional insecurity. And um, in this way, uh, I had always these troubles with shoots because as soon as there was a shoot, it made me insecure that I am not enough, for example, also. So it's not a question like, for example, the same is with perfectionism, more or less. When you're insecure in yourself, the, even the idea of being perfect uh, makes you sick. And I had not perfectionism. For me, it was more fear-based in my childhood. But um, it is always an emotional stance that you have. Like, so I, I feel like this, if you are secure in your, um, enough, you can go anywhere and you can also be inspired by perfection, by shoots, by uh, gods, whatever. And um, you can see this then as these rules, as tools, right? That they uh, inspire you, you use them as communication tools, shared values, as directions, finger pointers somewhere. And uh, this was a development that uh, took many, many directions. Like um, when I escaped from the Zen Buddhism, more or less. <laughs> like this, uh, where they had always these koans, you know, we, uh, you are already enlightened, but you have to check it and get it right that you're enlightened. <laughs> and um, it was always for me so abstract. With improv, I learned then this, uh, this different dynamics of treasure that shoots can have. Um, because sometimes rebellion is not out of bravery because out of fear. I learned this uh, in improv playing, for example, when I got emotionally intense in my play, that I sometimes... Uh, got the most crazy oh see a uvo is coming because i wanted to avoid maybe the conflict in the two characters appearing right now on stage because mm -hmm. i don't want conflict it's exhausting to play now it's also emotionally exhausting 
So I rather do something crazy slapstick miss uh, style. Um, and this was something I had to recognize slowly over the years that, um, oh, this is something, it's not about honesty and free play and free expression, but that I avoid, for example, um, conflict on stage or so, for example. And um, then I saw, wait, now free expression has nothing to do with being crazy and going out there well, but it has to do with vulnerability and being honest to your emotions also. And um, then uh, the rules are really reduced, as um, Reddy said, to the principles. It's not about um, I follow this genre, but I follow my own feelings in this moment on stage. And then it's not a rule anymore because I follow, I'm honest with myself, what is already on it on stage, right? So wait, we have an argument right now. Let's have an argument. Um, <laughs> let's do it. And this is something uh, that I learned from improv very, very strongly. And then also... Um, you know, I was um, educated a bit in psychotherapy and coaching and doing coaching. And there you have the same with um, language rules. Um, so um, where you access the language of your um, client, for example. Um, now they have the cheap management schools where you just copy the pacing and the framing of the client. And they do this artificial top-down approach to manipulate the clients. But the source was something completely different. The source of these principles was from hypnotherapy to vibe with each other, to really let go bottom down, synchronize with each other, and then bottom up, connect in the language together. So this is a different example that I learned that it's so, so powerful if you allow yourself and invite yourself into the genre of the other's mindset, right? So you feel it, and, and then but then not top down with stupid hashtags, control, manipulate, but honestly resonate with this person and speaking in his own language. And then it's not manipulation. Then it's really very, very, very deep vibing together. And this is highly effective in coaching and in therapy. Wow. Yeah. Well, the, the, the thing that it makes me think about is the word condescent, which we know now is a bad word of, uh, but it's often confused with uh, patronizing. So patronizing is being somebody's leader or father, right? Rather uh, literally. Condescending is something else. It means that you have uh, knowledge of something which the other person does not. But then you condescend, you go down together to, to their level. So you're able to create an agreement there and you're, you're able to lead a person uh, by the hand towards an understanding of a concept. So that's, that's, um, that is a way to take someone who is at the rule level and help them up by empowering them to think for themselves using critical thinking to an understanding of principles. So you condescend and then you both um, co-ascend, I guess, uh, together to, to the level of principle. Yeah, Reddy, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, this is really cool. I love this idea that, you know, this is flow that, you know, you can actually 
you you flow down, you can flow up, you know, you can rise up, and there's this interplay, that constant interplay that, and I, there's this also this inner lateral space, right? Like, if you look at children, the amount of rules they need is very minimal. Like at the most, they need a nudge to move into that flow, that righteous flow of action, right? They don't need this constant, like, you know, pair of blinkers, like constantly pushing them into this narrow, straight and narrow, be it in the straight and narrow, be in the straight and narrow, don't go away from the path, don't go away from that. I think that is actually driving kids away from their natural healthy curiosity. And it's also leading to severe perversions due to that restriction, due to that repression that eventually at some point will explode and you know land up hurting more people around them. And if that doesn't happen, it's just as bad because it implodes and hurts that individual on the inside, right? But if you allow them to just go free, they may make a few mistakes, they may make more than a few mistakes, but then all it takes, because they're young, they're, they're, they're malleable, they can, they can easily be just nudged into place, right? It doesn't need this hard, rigid, rule-based system of education that we have right now. And like at the most, you just need like a bare 20% of rule-based, you know, pushing and pulling in this direction, in that direction. But a majority, the whole chunk of their growth has to be self-exploratory. Self and that will not happen when we have this rigid rule-based system, right? And if I look at it, like this whole idea of principles, children can discover them. They, they know it. They have this innate wisdom inside of them. They don't need to be told that this is, this is you know, you don't do this, don't do that. Like they, they have to discover it for themselves. That's when the, the, you know, that learning resonates from inside. That's when they feel it. Oh, I shouldn't hurt someone, right? It doesn't, it can't just be like, don't do that. Don't do this, do this, do that, right? It, it's, it's hurtful. It's violent to children, in fact. And I feel the ones who don't, like there are people who learn with explicit instructions and there are those who learn primarily through implicit, you know, understanding, intuitive understanding, right? And a lot of us who don't, like on this call, all three of us aren't comfortable with rules. We don't want rules. We've never wanted rules. And we're still like looking for a way to, you know, go around the rules. But that doesn't mean we're bad. Because on the contrary, the very fact that we're having this discussion, this discourse is because we want things to be better for everyone around us, every single person on the planet. And the beauty of that is I feel the same way with everyone who is in that space where they're pushed out of the system because we don't follow the rules. Oh, you don't follow the rules, get out of the system. And not just being ostracized, but even being punished, even being tied down, being locked in, being you know beat down. All of that happens just because we don't want to follow the rules. And then, you know, the more the oppression, the more the hurt, the more the dominance, the more the attempts to draw us back to into that straight and narrow path is going to cause us to rebel, right? And now that dissatisfaction turns into dangerous behavior. And now the individual is seeking revenge against the system and it becomes this whole violent game and now you know that satisfies the system even more because again end of the day the system wants to play the hero right so 
it just needs someone to play the villain and all of the rule breakers suddenly become villains we are the villains because we've been breaking the rules and the rule breakers the rule mm-hmm. keepers the rule makers they're the heroes they're the ones and like you know we now suddenly become in group and out group the ones who follow the rules are the in group in society the ones who break the rules are the out group in society where the criminals where the you know where all of those people who don't adhere to the rules and the laws of society but i feel we can turn that around if we start focusing like we started off on the idea this higher concept like if you think of following the law as the best thing a citizen can do no upholding justice the higher concept why the law was made the law was made so we could all adhere to this higher concept of justice right and if if people can reach that level without needing these rigid lines and rules that you know dictate behavior why not on the contrary we should be embracing such individuals we should be rejoicing celebrating such individuals and enjoying the diversity maybe some people need those rules maybe some people don't need those rules maybe some people happy with rules maybe some people are just like suffocated by rules i guess all three of us are the ones who are suffocated by rules well i'm i'm getting to be to be a lot better as, as the years pass what i think really comes springs to mind from what you're saying is questions versus um answers or orders right so rules are the orders that are imposed on you um while questions are the things that lead you to um higher order understandings and the reason is because the rule stays the same throughout history or at least until you know there's a, a new holy book coming out or the law is changed in modern times but that's the rule uh do this you know uh, do not covet uh your neighbor's wife forever and ever and this will not change this is what you will be told if you're if you believe in the 10 commandments a thousand years from now not going anywhere but if you phrase it in the form of a question you know uh why are you right now coveting your neighbor's wife well the the answer will change the answer will change it will be updated and from your uh, answers your authentic answers over time you'll be able to uh, abstract something that is not specifically about coveting the wife but more about yourself more about knowing yourself more about what's important in life what more about what was it that um that you felt like you're wanting or lacking that made you covet somebody's wife and then you might find well actually maybe i coveted my neighbor's wife exactly for the same reason that um you know i was stealing money from someone or just not being able to sleep over wanting uh, the newest uh, model of this car whatever it, this is this is the type of learning so everything at the base of it is um i think orders versus questions when you're starting to talk about education that's why questions are so um superior to giving to giving orders because the orders you know like you say they pave the way 
or they uh, dig the rut for you that you're going to be stuck in, or you know they create the mold, whatever metaphor you want to to do, and and they really just cram you in there and kill your curiosity, kill your creativity. And I think if there are people who go about breaking the rules in different ways, you know, um, and it, it does seem to be a theme that that we share here, the three of us. But I know many more people. It's the incessant questioners that are not satisfied and if they are constantly asking questions they're going to find found, find themselves uh, find themselves outside um, the mainstream um, and then they might like I think all of us did here as well find their way in but maybe on their own terms um, so that's interesting to to think about the whole should versus good, right? Like, you know, like, like Nico was saying, talking about the whole should, like should feel so oppressive, right? Like, especially to children, it just crushes their curiosity. The moment you say you should or you shouldn't, like it just feels like so heavy. That word has so much gravity and it crushes dreams, right? Like that's the word that crushes, crushes young children's souls. All you need to do is just replace that with a could. Oh, maybe you could do this, right? Or uh, if you could do this, this would happen, right? And just making that that exclamation into a question mark, it just liberates rather than crushes the spirit. Yeah, and, and the interesting thing is that um, after a while, I think, after your curiosity is, is beaten out of you, you you stop being able to, to learn. If you don't learn, you don't understand. If you don't understand, you start fearing uh, that something. And then your whole being is threatened. Anytime somebody's doing something that's not following the same rules you're following. And I think I see that with people who um, are very strict with their children, you know, who are doing that uh, because it's scary to see it. A child doesn't behave by the rules like my child just drew on the wall with colors. And, you know, so, of course, it's like it's going to cost money to paint the wall. Um, and it's a hassle. What I have to go after her with this, um, like, cleaning supplies and, and do the wall. All this stuff that seems to be a nuisance. We, we don't understand it exactly because we're short-sighted and we just look at our um, comfort in the short term instead of celebrating the fact that all that it costs for me to make my child creative is not to ruin it for her. I don't have to pay $100,000 a year to send her to Harvard. I can just let her paint the wall. That's the best education right now. <laughs> That's also a big pedagogic principle, this questioning. Um, so they know if you uh, educate your child in an authoritative way, um, then it will learn that there are rules, dogmas, and um, especially they learn a narrative in their life. And um, they never learn to question this narrative. So um, if you are lucky with this narrative, you fit in and you live your life along this narrative, right? This is the cliche villager style, the hero's journey. The villager stays in the village and has his good life. 
But then there are the children that can't cope with them. Either they are struggling their whole life with this dogmas imposed to them, um, or they even get outsiders and they have to leave the village and are isolated, uh, live in the park and uh, are suffering really. So um, if we just dictate this, there is often an impossibility in the creativity even in the child because it either is the rule or it is anarchy and in anarchy is also no creativity because anarchy is just rebellion frustration um anger um there is no creative force because creative means creating structure creating patterns um and this is not taught even with rebellion from rules they know when children are learned from the young age to question things, to understand things, to discuss with the parents together, um, hand in hand, then uh, they learn to understand things and to question things themselves with a grounded uh, psychology. They have the framework, they have the private language with the family, with the culture, they have the shared values, but they can question and dive deep and create their own understanding. So this is something very important and they know it also in game design. They know if you put just the hard push rewards the dopamine levels in the uh, mobile phone games, you will never leave the paths of the, of the game. And that is very well understood in game design. Uh, if you punish uh, the player too hard or if you promise too big um, treasures, they will never explore. They will never start exploring. A trick is, for example, uh, for exploration to change the rules many times. They did this with animals, they did this with um, human players. They Suddenly they recognized, oh, the dogmas I had, they are changing all the time. What the fuck is happening? And then this adaption to adaption starts to play in. On adaption to adaption is creativity, narrative creativity. Like I have to get used to learning new rules and understanding them. And uh, this is something that... Uh, Game psychology understood first, really. <laughs> yeah, that's so beautiful, right? Let me just think of it. Like right now, you don't have a choice. Like a child growing up just follows a linear path of progression. You grade one, grade two, grade three, grade four. You're just constantly climbing up this ladder, which is such a straight and linear path. At some point, the ladder gives you like two branches. You can choose this or that. And then like one, some of them might branch into three or four, but it's such a very, it's such a very simplistic progression. It doesn't have variation. It doesn't have complexity. It doesn't have, you know, circular growth patterns. It doesn't have these parabolic leaps. Like it's a very linear progression, right? But then if you look at it, like right now, if I had to think of my, progression through anything like there's a whole bunch of confusion i'm just going around in circles and things are just all muddled it's like this crazy path i'm confused and frustrated and i'm irritated and you know, i have no idea what the fuck i'm doing but there's this incredible puddle of muddle and craziness and then suddenly i start going around in circles and i think i'm not going anywhere because i'm going around in circles but what i'm actually doing is i'm building that orbital velocity like the faster i go in circles and now all of a sudden i have this parabolic leap right into a new level now suddenly everything that i was doing there made sense now that understanding that realization catapults me into a new level of understanding right and in that new level now i settle down then again i start going around circles in this whole you know three-dimensional multi you know chaotic experience 
and then that goes on for a life and it reaches this sort of an escape velocity right at some point that whole chaos patterns reaches this escape velocity and then I catapult again to the next level and at each point there's this circular motion there's this progression happening in leaps and bounds but there's a lot of confusion in it there's a lot of curiosity there's a lot of confusion but that is the real path of learning right there is going to be confusion whether you look at it from the hero's journey or anything there's going to be strife there's going to be struggle there's going to be confusion there's going to be pain there's going to be suffering but the entire education system is so linear and it just makes you believe because the system is taking you up. You're put on an escalator. The escalator is taking you up. You're not climbing those stairs. You're not climbing these trees of knowledge. The system has those stairs built in. You are just being taken for a ride. And that's so linear, so straight. You're not struggling. The only, you know, the only pain and struggles you experience is when someone shames you because you're not good enough, good enough as the rest of them, right? So, but really speaking, you're missing out on the real joy of growth, which is, which is curiosity, confusion, all of that comes in. There's this beautiful joy of curiosity and this painful hurt of like confusion, like how, why? But the linear education system takes away that experience with rules. Just do this. Don't ask confusion. Don't ask questions. And there's no confusion. No questions. No confusion. Isn't that cool? I solved your problem. Yay! No more confusion. <laughs> well, the the thing, the problematic thing with this is the sudden shift, the sudden tectonic shift between um, adolescence and adulthood. When you're in your adolescence, you can still, you're actually expected to still receive, be on the receiving end of all these dogmas, right? But then you're thrown out, you know, whatever. In Israel, it's uh, at 21, you're just out of the army, you know, the, the atmosphere with where you have to be um, obedient. And you're just thrown out in the world, and that's it. Nobody's giving instructions anymore. Of course, there's still... Uh, societal expectations and cultural expectations but you're an adult now and now I think at that point people realize that they don't know a lot yet because this type of learning has not been facilitated in school and yet they're supposed to now project this um, persona of yeah I know what I'm doing which creates absolutely horrendous uh, accidents, I think. And I think that is what also causes people to, um, to be so strict with the next generation uh, because now they have to, you know, if you're not sure about something, but you do have to show that you're sure, well, how is this going to come out? Violence, of course. Because that's actually what you're sure about is that you can still beat up this other person. So you're saying one thing with words, but of course you're just being threatening and violent um, to really establish the, the power dynamic. Yeah, yeah. it's and often like drugs. Curious thing about like, you know, experiencing that hardcore, you know, militaristic environment where you have these structured rules and outcomes and rewards and punishments and 
everything is crystal clear. Like that's, that's the ideal environment that rules can give you, right? That's the ideal environment that, that the rule-based system promises you. That you do this, you get these rewards. You don't do this, you get this punishment. You keep doing this, you grow higher. Once you grow higher, you can punish people, right? Like that, it's, it's a brilliant system. But like you said, when you're suddenly out of that system and the real world doesn't follow those systems, the real world doesn't follow those rules. We have constitutions, nobody cares. We have laws, half of them don't care. Everyone in the school system, in the learning system, in the military system, you are being taught to follow rules. You're being taught to live straight and narrow. But once you get out into the real world, you're shocked, you're confused because Nobody's playing business by the rules. Nobody's playing relationships by the rules. Nobody's playing, you know, career by the rules. Like you did everything right. And then no one's promoting you, right? Someone else did everything wrong. And he's suddenly your boss. And you're like, what the fuck? So your whole life was a lie. And that's the complexity of life, of real life, that the children have been conned into believing otherwise. Like through the education system, you're like, oh, you study, you get good scores, you go up to the next level. You don't get good scores, you, you stay in the same level, right? And it's, it's simple and it works. But suddenly when you're in real life, you realize that nobody's, everyone's playing the rules. They're, they're bending the rules, they're twisting the rules, they're, they're circumventing the rules, they're, they're making up their own rules. If you had this understanding, if you could have played this all the while you were growing up, you'd be a much smarter individual, be much worldly wise. You'd be, you know, you'd know your way around this, you know, this jungle, this urban jungle that we live in. But instead, the rules have actually fucked us over. <laughs> this is like a drug. These rules, if you're once used to them, uh, you need them. And you need these narratives, you need these directions. And uh, you don't know how to make up your own mind because you never had to. And you never found the fundament for making up even this because do this, okay, do this, did, it, do, did I go do daddy? And then yes or no. And, um, but if you never learned because making up your own rules is an art for itself. And if you don't learn it by yourself as a child already, you're completely in the desert. You're really lost. So um, I had this problem after my studies. I, I didn't really uh, follow strict rules by choosing my studies. I loved physics, really. I was interested. But I never thought what to do with it. I never thought to do what I do with my life. I was like a dog hunting a, bow, uh, a cat and doesn't know what will happen then. Um, so I was finished with my master's and then I was standing there, and now I have to work with this? Uh, that was completely confusion there. Like, what the hell did I study for actually? Studies was fun, but now um, I don't want to sit in the office. Um, so this is something, an art of finding your own way uh, has to be taught. And it cannot be taught in the explicit way, but it has, you have to have a garden, a playground as Reddy would say probably, to learn it, <laughs> you have to uh, reflect with your parents, with your friends on it, and then you're used to it, and they know it. 
that uh, also from animal studies that if you don't teach even animals um, this this safety of finding their own way, they get very fast neurotic. That it's very beautiful experiments where in either end uh, rules changing rules lead either to neurotic behavior. The dogs created OCD, really OCD, from just changing rules of conditioning, or they got super creative with doing new tricks because ah, rules are changing. So I can invent new tricks for my uh, uh, owner or partner. Um, so this is something, this void, this emptiness of rules, this confusion can either lead to creativity. Oh, now it's my time to create. Or if you are afraid and full of fear and mistrust or just completely void of any fundament for creativity, you get very, very neurotic and get very miserable very fast. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I can share a really funny story that really makes it uh, vividly um, apparent. I sat down, so my wife used to uh, babysit or be an, an au pair for this couple. And uh, the man has, uh, turns out to be a high-ranking officer in the commandos, in the Israeli commandos. So I myself in the army, I, of course, I, I don't let anyone think that I did well in the army. No, I tried to get out and everything, but I, 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 I really was living catch-22 in, in my army service. But now I was meeting this person who is just now, I think in August, he finally um, was discharged at, uh, you know, age 50 or around something like that. So he got to be a very, very, very high ranking officer. Um, and we were sitting with him, just chatting after many years. We somehow, my wife got in contact with him and we were sitting in the living room and I was starting to, to talk with him and he's asking me, uh, what are you doing? And this was a few months back. So I was like, well, I still didn't have this um, complete confidence in, in what I was doing. Well, I told him, well, I'm sort of playing around, you know, I, I have a podcast I just started, um, but I felt insecure. And, you know, to a, to a certain degree, I still am. I never quite got to a point where I'm sitting on the Olympus if that's ever going to happen in terms of in terms of what I do. But so I came, I, I, I was appearing to be this person who's not really sure about their life, about what to do. But then after a few minutes, I asked him, well, you're about to, to finally leave the army after 30 something years in it. It's like, what are you going to do? And then very quickly, you saw that even though it's clear that he's going to have like a very high paying job, um, he's going to be very socially, um, uh, he's going to be very socially fitting. So people are going to look up to him. He's this, you know, major general, whatever, I don't know the ranks, um, captain. And, and yet you saw on him that he was terrified <laughs> of being out there. Well, I, the person who's just fucking around with things and, and playing around, um, at that point, I started feeling more confident because I was essentially sitting with uh, my 21-year-old self who's already been there 
at the point where I didn't know what I was going to do next. But now I was the 34-year-old who has had a chance to live for two minutes and uh, be overwhelmed and try to make sense. And he was 50 and he hasn't even had a moment in his life where he had to figure something out. It, it, was, it was such a comical, excellent moment as I realized this. And at, at some point I felt like he's his counselor you know, like I'm counseling this <laughs> this guy who was always almost the top of the army. So that was that was funny. There's your new tagline, the commando counselor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't know what to do at 50. Come to me. Yeah. But that's that's it, right? That's it. That's what rule breakers do. We break boundaries, we break the barriers, we break the frontiers, we cross those frontiers. Right. Like that's why if you look at it across across subjects, across industries, across, you know, topics, everything that that is pushing the boundaries of what is possible is only done by rule breakers because we need both. Right. We need the rule keepers or the rule followers to keep the system moving, to get up, to do that disciplined run-of-the-mill routine, day after day, every single thing to keep it going. Awesome, cool, we need that. We need you guys to keep the engine going. But there are people who need to break those rules who say, why the fuck are we following the same map? What if we take this turn? What if we go this way? What if we push it into first gear and rev the engine faster, right? We need, these are the ones who get things moving beyond where we've already been before. Right. You can't be you can't be an Elon Musk if you're just going to follow the rules. You can't be pushing the end if you're just going to be following the rules. And I feel that this this aspect, this these people, the rule breakers are being stifled. Now, if you look at it, we see far less rule breakers than in the past. Whatever. If you look at philosophy, if you look at physics, if you look at science, if you look at you know rocket science, we see far less rule breakers out there. Why is that? Because the system is stifling everyone and everyone is so scared of breaking the rules. Everyone is, is being conditioned to follow the rules and get those little dopamine hits of those little rewards. If you follow the rules, we're going to give you these little toys, this little switch, you're going to get these treats, right? Like you're all of the dogs which were meant to be wild and running, even those dogs are just sitting quietly waiting for their treats. Why? You're not a lab dog. You're like those, you know, your job is to go out there in front, constantly looking for new parts. And I feel like it's on us now. I mean, like us, we have to push this narrative out there that there are kind of, there are some humans whose, whose identity, whose purpose, whose design is to push those boundaries, is to question the unquestionable, is to, is to, you know, dance with the taboos is to blaspheme even is to be heretics. That's our job. I mean, like if you sh like, you know, if you choose to, <laughs> if you choose to take up that role, well, then play it with everything that you have. Don't just hold back and say, oh, I would like to be a rebel, but you know what? Uh, it doesn't pay so well. So I'm just going to go back to my regular job. No, that's not going to cut it. If you, if you feel that calling from within, that this is who you are, that following rules stifles you and breaking them frees you and liberates you, then do it and go at it with everything that you have.
If you don't feel that urge, perfectly fine. Stay within the system, follow the rules, do everything by the book. We need you guys. We need all kinds of people on the planet. You can't yeah. just have only rule followers and you can't have only rule breakers. Yeah, well, you mentioned uh, Elon Musk. I think that, for example, that, that just shows that I think people who uh, rewrite the rules, basically, and make real progress, they, they still have convictions about things, but they're not convictions about how the, the, um, the usual or the existing rules are right. He's exactly, again, you see questions, right? Obviously, he's asking his engineers a lot of questions uh, to the extent of something like, well, could we um, inhabit Mars, right? And um, he's smart enough to recognize that if all of their answers are, are something to the extent of like, oh, it's gonna be so hard, um, it's going to be so um, labor intensive, it's going to be so expensive. Yeah, but I asked you, could it be done? And they're like, well, if we have a fast enough spaceship, if we have a good enough landing pad, if we have good enough computers, whatever, they're like, well, theoretically, I guess, well, theoretically is good enough. And now this is where the conviction comes into play. The conviction that we can actually pull it off and be um, convincing enough when we speak to other people to pump them up about this. Uh, so the conviction is not, is not believing anything that you've been told didactically, but rather having the belief in yourself and in the capability of others, like you say, to facilitate something that's actual progress. So I think that's, uh, yeah, Elon Musk is, is a good example. And I think uh, others like him in the past, for sure. I'm not too sure if, if there are less rule breakers today, to be honest. Yeah, but, I know, I meet a lot of them on Twitter. I don't know. Yeah, but you're right. You know, if, with the conviction, if you match that with courage, right? Like the conviction in chasing your dreams, however wild and crazy they may seem, but also the courage to fail, knowing that if you fail, you're gonna face all this ridicule and everyone will be like, I told you so, you shouldn't have trusted that dude. That is, you know, that's equally necessary, right? Like, and that courage to know that, oh my God, all of this could just blow up in my face. And we know that even with Elon Musk, like half of his rockets are just blown up in his face, literally blown up in his face. So, well, that courage to keep on going, keep at it, like, oh, cool. We blew up one racket, yoo-hoo, let's blow up another one. That craziness, that, ins that what, what would people look at as insanity, that, in that, that craziness, right? We all need Frankensteins. You can't have a society sanitized of all the Frankensteins. Let them play in their castles on the hills. Don't go burn them down, right? Like we need them. They're the ones who are going to take us beyond where we have already been, where we are. And because you never know. I mean, right now you feel like, oh, all's fine. Why do we need to change anything? But that's how it is in nature. Like you could be living in this wonderful sunshine valley with all the resources that you need. And one fine day floods may come and then wipe everything off. And then now you have to go and build a new ark and go find a new place and go live somewhere else. And that's the time you need the rule breakers. That's the time because there are no rules now. You don't have any rules, there's complete chaos, there's complete crisis, and this is that space and time in which rule breakers thrive. 
That's our playground. Chaos and crisis is our playground. That's where we shine. But if you're going to keep chasing us out, crushing us away, you know, just destroying our spirits as we're growing, well, what are you going to do when shit goes down? Because it will at some point of time. That's how history is. It repeats itself. Crisis happens. Things go wrong. And I feel like by society nurturing rule breakers, allowing them to play in these sandboxes where, okay, cool. I get that you want to burn everything down. You want to destroy stuff. Here's this little sandbox. Go crazy. Right. I think that that's something we need. We need these little safe playgrounds, safe playgrounds for, you know, rule followers to play in safe playgrounds for rule breakers to play in. We need more playgrounds and sandbox them. Don't let the fires in one playground affect the, you know, the people in the other playground, but have enough playgrounds for everyone. All of us, rule followers, rule breakers. I think it's a question of culture. A lot to teach uh, uh, the people to allow them uh, to express themselves, to find their own meaning. Um, and I think it's a culture can do there a lot also for the mental health aspects because we need the innovators for survival, for the long-term society development, but we need it also um, for wisdom in the society because. Uh, we need curiosity for developing personal wisdom. If you're not curious about life, you can never develop a deep wisdom. You can have some beautiful phrases from your grandma that you put out there and uh, I don't know, clean your nose stuff, but <laughs> that's the death of the wisdom you get without curiosity. Exactly ready. <laughs> um, this is very important. And also you create much more stable people because they can make their meaning creation, they can make create their joy themselves. You put them in any room, in any group, and they're like, ooh, who is there? Who is there? From where is this person? Curiosity doesn't uh, ask for shoots. It doesn't ask for uh, expectations. And it ask, doesn't ask even for oneself. That's the beautiful thing. The really true no-self is that you have the perspective curiosity for the world. You know, you forget yourself when you're deep in a topic and you're deep in a communication with another person. Then who the heck cares about my thoughts? It's about this idea. What do you think about this and this? What do you think about this? Then there's less ego because you s the idea itself or the play itself is so important that, and much more important than your own ego narrative. And then you can develop and grow. And then criticism is not something personal, but something, oh, you're right. We could improve this. We could improve this. And uh, there will be less violence, much less tension. Um, yeah, more harmony also, because a creative culture can adapt much, much more easy. Uh, it can adapt to the environment. I mean, creativity is adaption to adaption, and we need this. I think, like already said, there's a good ratio of people in the society that need also some narrative, love for certain narratives, because we need to also have culture in there. But I th think it's a fractal to say. I hope it doesn't get too abstract, but I think our brains are little societies and, um, and we have societies at all, because we know that you need everywhere little chaos, just rules in a biological system, 
they will die, this biological system. If a heartbeat is re too regular, it, the person right. will be dead in two years. That Chinese knew this 2000 years ago. Um, so this is something we need chaos. We need this, this randomness, this exploration. Beehives have one percentage random walkers. They have bees that are just crazy. And in every beehive, there they are. And when a crazy bee dies, a rule follower bee takes over the crazy role. It's really insane. <laughs> so they That's are needed amazing. everywhere. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I wanna I wanna comment on, on what you said about curiosity. So I'll share something personal, which is um towards the end of my uh, depression period, so they, this is in my late teens, I kind of gotten to this point where I realized everything was absurd. Um, so, you know, Kierkegaard and um, Viktor Frankl and some of the existentialists, where everything is absurd, and I gotten to the conclusion that, you know, since everything is absurd and life isn't that long as it is, you know, I, I could probably carry on for a few more decades, you know. If things get really bad, well, yeah, I can kill myself. But really be curious about these, about things. And it really kept me alive and kept, uh, and then I started thinking when I felt like it was up to me to explore the world and demand answers from it and not just be content with what people say it is because that world was not interesting to me the world of like, you have to do this, you have to do this. And on top of all of that is the, the kind of world that, that gives me trauma at a young age and makes me expect it to happen every few years. All that wasn't interesting. At the moment where I found uh, room for curiosity and for exploration, that really brought me to life. And then imagine my amazement as, as I found this uh, quote in Kurt Vonnegut's uh, book, Mother Night. I'm going to read it to you. Uh, basically, the, the protagonist is standing on the corner of, of a street or something after many, many travails and, and misadventures. And he, and he says this. He's not moving. He's just frozen on the sidewalk. So he says, it was not the thought that I was so unloved that froze me. I had taught myself to do without love. It was not the thought that God was cruel that froze me. I had taught myself never to expect anything from him. What froze me was the fact that I had absolutely no reason to move in any direction. What had made me move through so many dead and pointless years was curiosity. Now even that had flickered out. How long I stood frozen there, I cannot say. If I was ever going to move again, someone else was going to have to furnish the reason for moving. Somebody did. A policeman watched me for a while, and then he came over to me and he said, you all right? Yes, I said. You've been standing here a long time, he said. I know, I said. You waiting for somebody? He said. No, I said. Better move on, don't you think? He said. Yes, sir, I said. And I moved on. <laughs> so it's interesting because he recognizes that he's out of curiosity, which uh, made him stop dead in his tracks. And... And then, and then came the guy with rule, right? Who made, makes it keep uh, going, which is interesting. So here is the constructive thing about the rule where it does push things forward, um, even, even in the sense that 
they tell you to move forward now. Yeah. This reminds me of an Austrian real case from the police. This was now in a novel, but there's this um, uh, real case. It was 30 years ago in Austria. A guy jumped from the bridge because he wanted to kill himself. And it wasn't the ice cold water in the river. And then all the people ran on the bridge and shouted at him, swim, swim, life is beautiful and everything. And he was just like, let me alone, let me die. And then a young policeman, he was super nervous. He completely blacked out and, and he ran on the um, um, bridge, put out his gun and said, come out or I shoot you. And then he had such a panic, this young guy, that he was swimming back on land because <laughs> he such a big, big shock. And then, like, it's really, really paradox to threaten a suicidal man with murder, but it shook him out like what the fuck uh, and ran wow. and jumped back into life and this is like reported in newspapers 30 years ago <laughs> but yeah i think curiosity is something where i can bring back now rules because we did we talked now nearly an hour against rules again and i think curiosity is something where we need inner commitment curiosity comes out of consequences and some consequences um, we see this uh, when we zoom out too much in our ideas and thinking, oh, the big life, the big universe, we're so small, we're just stardust, we vanish, nobody will recognize us. For sure, then we reach nihilistic thoughts. That because whatever we do has really no consequence. Everything will maybe land in a singularity again, whatever. Nobody cares. Why should we do anything? But if we zoom in, and zooming in is such a beautiful act. Then we can zoom in into our families. We can zoom in into this moment right now. And oh, there's so much beauty and grace right now when we are recording this. There's so much treasure. Life is really a fractal of beauty. Um, and, and, and this is where meaning comes in. Meaning comes from commitment, from zooming in into the rules from uh, allowing consequences to affect your heart. And this is something that I think breaches then again curiosity from a very deep level. So if you look at the mass of people on the street, you're like, oh, the fucking crowd, they just annoy me so much and they're all robots and ants. Look at them, how they work, go to work. But then you can switch perspective and look at one single person, how he walks. Like, Oh, he looks actually nice. Oh, he looks stressed. Why is he stressed? And suddenly you care for this person out from the crowd just by zooming in, paying attention. And then, oh, wow. And, 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 and look how he takes care of this and this. And just by really observing, you create so much beauty and appreciation of the wonders of life. And I think this is then where curiosity can be endless. I can observe every table. I can observe every little stone. It's full of grace and beauty if you zoom in, if you allow it to open your heart. And, and it's really interesting that, uh, you know, for me, again, from a personal perspective, I use the very same metaphor of zooming out when I wanted to stop feeling like shit in my life. You know, and I, I finally zoomed out and for a while it was very much uh, feeling better not to feel at all from this zoom out perspective 
But it's interesting that when you want to actually embrace life and participate in it, you have to zoom in again. And it's interesting, this correlation between the zooming in and emotions, which eventually uh, you do want, you do want to, to emote and to emote correctly and get the, the fitting emotions to any actions and embrace even the so-called negative emotions, which bothers me that people use that term at all, because every emotion has its uh, fitting um, place, you know, and time. Uh, so it's, it's really interesting, this um, parallel between zooming in and, and actually feeling. Yeah, man, and let me throw in another C, like with curiosity, compassion that's another c you don't usually associate with rule breakers but i think like it's about time we you know change that narrative and let's set the story straight because it's something that rule breakers actually have because when you're so curious when you're so curious about the world when you're curious about yourself when you're curious about others and you're curious about events and incidents and everything that's happening the nature of the universe the nature of the world we live in everything it's just a matter of time before you develop a deeper sense of compassion towards yourself, towards others, towards the world, towards nature, towards animals. And that is something that people don't associate with rule breakers. They're like, oh, you just don't care about everyone. You just, you don't care about society. You don't care about systems. You're just selfish, right? But I think that selfishness is the beginning of the selflessness because if you think of it the more you dive in deeper into yourself to satisfy your own desires to satisfy your own curiosities to satisfy what is driving you forward that's making you curious it slowly you know transforms you from the inside like the more you dive into you know satiating your own desires the more you become sensitive to others desires because that that without the curiosity, you become cynical, right? Like Nico said, you're just walking around and you look at people in the street and they're all just ants. And that's how everyone sees it. End of the day, you just get so caught up in your rules and your systems and your routines that all you're doing is just running like, you know, you know just another cog in the wheel. And that's all you're doing, right? And that, that makes you cold. That repetitive routineness without that momentary awe and thought of wow life is so wonderful because i just saw this glimmer of sun rays peeping out through this cloud wow that was incredible right like that sense of wonder that sense of awe is something the average follower of routine is more likely to miss than the rule breaker so if you ask me that rule breakers if you tell me rule breakers are a cruel, cold, callous, uncaring individuals, I'll say, no, it's, it's probably the opposite, right? Because we have a larger chance of stumbling upon that compassionate nature of ourselves because we're constantly digging, we're constantly curious, constantly attempting, constantly trying, constantly failing. So the more, you know, failures, the more attempts, the more meandering and exploring that's happening in one's external world as well as one's internal psyche, the more likely you are to stumble upon those inner, subtle, higher, nobler virtues, especially compassion. Yeah, there is uh, 
the uh, saying that even um, curiosity opens your antennas and sensitivity for sure. And with sensitivity comes appreciation because you know the complexity behind it. Um, so if you uh, look at a person very carefully curious, um, there is empathy that drives because you understand deeper. If you just say, I have to be polite, I have to smile and greet the hand, um, that, that, that's bullshit sometimes. Sometimes you have to be angry and shout. Sometimes you have to be, I don't know what. You have to break these politeness rules um, to push somebody forward. Like the policeman with the gun on the bridge. <laughs> that was such a Zen story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's really a Zen story. Insane. Um, and it's, I think this, I mean, this man made it out of shock, probably. But um, there is also this... Um, but he, wrote, he broke the rule book, right? He broke the rule yes. book of negotiation. Yes, exactly. And that's what a Zen master would also do. Um, or a, basically every good coach or therapist would do a, every good parent sometimes. A kick in the ass can be the best hug. Um, that's not political correct what I said. I reversed this argument for sure. <laughs> you Don't broke the rules. <laughs> the beautiful thing is that um, if you understand the principles behind this, you said ready, um, then you can be much more creative in your concept and you see this compassion automatically. Like I said for, before with the crowd, when you zoom in in the crowd and, and see every person has their own life, their own struggles, their own suffering and reasons for their actions, my heart will explode if I look again at this mass of people, because I love them so much. Um, they know, for example, also that, for example, beauty, everybody knows beauty is subjective, but beauty is also subjective in the matter of appreciation. And an architect looking at the drawing will find beauty in the simplest drawings because he knows what hard work is behind it. And mm. uh, the same is uh, with many art forms. When you know what is behind it, and that, oh, he did this and this so good, he did this and so good, the symmetries there, amazing, because they know how hard it is to achieve. It's a bit like this midwit meme, where, uh, yeah, you say, I just do what I like, and then, no, 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 you have to consider, blah, 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 and all the thoughts explode, and then the other guy again, you ju just do what I like. He just, does what he like, but he has integrated all this complexity already in him and knows that beauty is his ethic. And that, then that guy. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's cool. I think, you know, like, even if you look at it, like the rules that kids follow are, are made to follow, like say sorry, say thank you, say sorry, say thank you. By following the rules, they're less likely to actually develop gratitude when they say thank you. They're less likely to actually have repentance when they say sorry, right? So by the time you're a 20-year-old kid, a 20-year-old adult, you definitely don't mean sorry when you say it and you definitely don't mean thank you when you say it because there's, there's nothing left. I mean, like if you do, it's just an empty shell, You've been following the rules so long that you've forgotten why you were following those rules. You've forgotten the meaning, the depth of that 
the emotion that's behind those rules, right? Like I've forgotten that a thank you essentially denotes gratitude. It's become like a knee-jerk reaction. It's like someone lets you in the line, you're just like, oh, thank you. But, and it probably takes you a while to think, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, thank you. Like very often the, the emotion is almost lagging behind and the expression is more like a knee-jerk reaction. Right. And a sorry is rarely ever an apology, an intended apology, because an intended apology actually has to follow through on that. Right. You need to like actually say, oh, I stepped on your foot. Can I do something? Make it better. Could be, you want a foot rub? Can I take you some to the hospital? Like it, it expects action. And more often than not, by just strictly following the rules, there's a certain element of emotional depth that is just lost in the process of just regimentally following the rules, right? And I feel like maybe if, you know, there was something that people actually had an option of doing, like what if you could, like now you start playing with it, right? Like what if you didn't say sorry and you just walked away laughing at their faces, knowing that you actually hurt the person, right? Now, now this becomes like a thought exercise you imagine kids actually being pushed through a thought exercise rather than just being told you have to say sorry, right? Instead, like, like uh, Eyal was saying in the beginning about questioning, right? Like throw a question at the child and say, oh, so how would you feel if someone had stomped your foot, right? Or imagine you stomped that person's foot. Now you're not going to say sorry. And you're just going to laugh at them in their face and say, ha, 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 I stepped on your foot, right? How would that make you feel through the rest of the day? How would that make you feel through the rest of the week? Do you feel something gnawing inside of you, right? Now, now you're searching, you're making them search. Now, the child is now digging in, oh, there are these feelings deep inside. Is that guilt? Is that remorse? Is that, you know, something? What is this? Now you've taken them into this wonderland, this magical space that is that is the inner mind, the psyche. That's that's fucking Disneyland, not that little place that you take them to and then feed them cotton candy and say, oh, this is a wonderful place. <laughs> Rules keep you away from that space, keep you away from that beauty, keep you away from discovering that. And then you call it, oh my God, that's my shadow. That's not your fucking shadow. That's a wonderful fucking place. You're just scared. You have kept that door closed all your life and now you're calling it your shadow. It's, you know, it, it makes me think about um, uh, uh, the level of society. It's, it's, often, it's often interesting for me. Like Israel obviously knows, has its uh, fair share of violence, but it's usually along um, like, uh, you know, whatever the conflict here, it's a nationalistic conflict and people can be violent. And generally uh, more rude than, let's say, in uh, in Germany and in the United States, something. But what you never see in Israel is somebody who's just uh, going crazy and goes on some sort of weird killing spree. Yeah, it never happens. Not among uh, his own population, let's say. Um, so here it does it does happen, but uh, over whatever uh, ethnicity you belong to. And I always found it interesting. And now what you say makes me wonder if, you know, in the societies where these rules of say thank you of politeness are, are socially enforced and assimilate, like people really internalize them and go by the way. In a sense, that I think um, 
creates the opportunity for these festering wounds that are uh, lone wolves who are so disillusioned with this society that some, some, at some point they just blow up. They just blow a fuse and they go on a killing spree. And then everything, there's such shock because the society is like, oh, everything seemed to go so well. And it's like, but that's, that's exactly it. It seemed so. But uh, these rules of being polite and so on uh, just create an environment where things seem to be well, but they might not be. Um, that being said, we have a hard stop today. That's about five minutes from now. So I'd like to get us some um, final thoughts or seeing where, what we've found about rules. I know we tried to uh, push a little bit to find some good with rules, and I think we did. In the end, the rule breakers, uh, we stayed that and uh, we trashed them for a while. Um, but yeah, can rule breakers be rule makers? Man, I think, thank you, Eyal, because I think like the only reason we're here together today is because we follow the rules of the calendar, which said that we all have to assemble at this point in this time, in this space. And yeah, so I, I really think rules have their time and space and they have their relevance and they are the, the bedrock of society as we know it. But if you want to extend those boundaries, if you want to survive, if you want that bedrock to sustain and grow, then we need that healthy balance between rule breakers and rule you know, keepers, followers. Yeah, I think this uh, rule making instead of rule breaking is something very beautiful what you said, AR, because uh, then rule making is something much, much deeper and more honest and uh, something more dynamic than rule making is like ruling, it's a verb. <laughs> Not ruling in the king way, but ruling in constantly being aware what is the outcome. Is this a shallow rule where I have internal actually conflict with it? Or do I adapt my rules and my behaviors? For sure, we cannot always change every rule and every habit every day because we would go crazy. But with the most emotional important rules that we are aware of updating them, um, the communication rules, the society rules, how we educate our children, um, how we create the shoots. I, I, I hate shoots, but sometimes the shoots are good. So uh, it's a shoot that the shoots are bad and that's bullshit again. Um, so it's good to reflect them, to have a culture and the intuition of rulemaking and that's their own art. So it's the art of ruling. <laughs> Man, I'm gonna throw in my rules to the playground as well since we're just jumping on. Okay, rule number one, don't forget to smile. Rule number two, don't be in a hurry. Rule number three, don't be careless. <laughs> Rule number four, don't compare yourself to others. Rule number five, don't beat yourself up. Rule number six, don't beat others up. Rule number seven, don't give excuses. Rule number eight, don't gloat or don't sulk. Rule number nine, don't wait for permission. <laughs> That's Amen. amazing. What about the 10th rule? Don't don't have 10 rules. That's too obvious. Have nine. <laughs> always. Um, 
Yeah, guys, this has been so wonderful. Nico, I, I agree with you completely. Rules ultimately are not bad, but let's make sure that we update them when updating is necessary because they are not to be set in stone. And the rules I follow today for a certain situation to be aware of the fact that change can and does happen. This will, um, this will require a changing of the rules. So that is rule making and, and ruling. Guys, this has been absolutely amazing and, and a great pleasure to get you both on the boat. Um, <laughs> yeah, I look forward to having uh, many more of these uh, going forward. Thank you. I guess what, there's something in common between all three of us right now. You're wearing a yellow hoodie. Nico has a yellow Batman symbol and I have yellow glasses. <laughs> you all follow the yellow glasses. <laughs> Make up that what you're wearing. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Hello.